Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to uh, Thursday's edition of Cork Today with John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and where else can we start the programme uh, but to talk about the, the RTE Investigates programme last night revealing how children in a number of creche facilities in Dublin were seriously ill-treated and left at serious risk in the event of uh, a fire. It was just a shocking programme to watch. What the broadcaster did was they sent in two un- undercover childcare workers into creches that are run by a chain called Hide and Seek. It's a family-run operation. And uh, it showed flagrant breaches of good practice and safety procedures. And you straight away think, but surely creches, they're under the auspices of TUSLA. There'll be inspections. There was inspections. There's been 11 inspections by TUSLA, the Child and Family Agency, uh, taking place since September of 2017. Yes, it took two undercover young girls to go in and uncover what certainly TUSLA should have been uncovering in their inspections highly profitable chain can I say this uh, family run they've got four creches in total and it's headed up by the owner who is a lady by the name of Anne Davy. now Anne Davy very much featured last night on the programme uh, because she not only is the owner of the four creches but she also was the hands-on manager at the Talca Road branch which featured uh, last night now a spokesperson for the company has said that Anne Davy has decided to take no further role in frontline childcare provision. So do we assume from that she's not going to be on the floor of the creche today? She'll still be operating and running the four creches but she's not going to be actively working hands-on with the children which I take it for the parents of children uh, to be dropped in today. That will bring some little bit of uh, comfort. Now the damning revelations showed the staff well the two staff that went in were hired without being Garda vetted and we all know you've got to get Garda vetting if you want to work anywhere near children and it's actually delayed some people starting up work because there can be delays getting the Garda vetting and somebody who might want to start a job because the Garda vetting isn't in a creche will not take you in and like that's the one thing when I watched the programme last night I was thinking 
that, you know, we have the majority of our creches and our childcare workers are providing fantastic service. But all it will take is the small, the rotten ones. And that's what makes it uncomfortable for any parent that has to put a child into a creche or has put a child in a creche in the past because they're all watching it last night and thinking, could that be happening to my my child? Could that have happened to my child uh, in the past? Now, some of what we witnessed last last night, the fire exits were blocked. This was a huge, huge uh, issue. Milk was being diluted with water half and half. And obviously that was a cost thing. Cheaper to put water in, get the milk and water it down. The milk will go further. One childcare worker was left to look after 20 children on their own at one stage. And that went on for about an hour. There was disturbing footage that showed babies being placed on their stomachs and forcibly been put onto their stomachs to go to sleep and then held down to make them go to sleep quicker. One child cried was put into a room on their own for misbehaving. And these are little ones. We're talking about little, tiny little ones. Uh, children were served a meal of cheap noodles. Now this was the menu that day was told that they were going to be getting a vegetable dish and it was going to be a stir-fry vegetable dish. And instead the noodles that were being used were an own brand packet of super, supermarket noodles for 12 cents. Now they're fine noodles, there's nothing, you know, and there's many a household and many, and children love them. I don't have an issue uh, with it, except please don't tell the parents that you're serving a stir-fried dish of vegetables and instead you're going to the supermarket and buying the cheapest noodles on the shelf at 12 uh, cent. There was another occasion where a child uh, was with, were children, not just one child, witnessed. It was, I think it was Anne Davy herself. She gave an angry rant because the room was untidy and these little ones were all sitting on the ground and this big woman standing up and roaring at them. I mean, the intimidation of it was absolutely shocking. And here's one uh, piece that we, that John Paul has downloaded from last night's uh, episode, just in case that you didn't see the Primetime Investigates programme. Here are researchers arrives to find a baby in his high chair at 8am. He's finished his breakfast but is left in the chair. It is five past eight. As time passes he gets increasingly upset and gestures that he wants to get out. Our researcher had been previously told by senior staff not to remove him. I'm so sorry. Let me get you another toy. Chicken. He's moved out of the room. Yes, so it's been 40 minutes at least, and you've been sitting in this chair the whole time, haven't you? We'll get you out. Later, our carer takes him out. At this stage, he's strapped in for up to 40 minutes. Putting Now, you want to get down and play? Good man. And the poor little fella, as soon as she put him down on the ground, he just potted over to the toys. It was just that he was strapped in to the high chair for over 40 minutes and he was just bored and he was pitifully uh, crying. And, you know, that young girl that undercover who's by the way qualified the two undercover workers that went in are qualified childcare workers and they had been guarded vetted by the way uh, by RT but they hadn't been guarded vetted by the hide and seek crash that they went into but she um but the little fellow was just wanted to get out of the high chair and he was just pitifully crying and in the end they when she, when you heard her say 
he was removed from the room in the high chair. The high chair was just dragged out. So it's just that we'll put him out there and we won't have to listen to him or look at him uh, crying. It was just, just, and then you could, obviously the parent of that child would have known exactly if it was her, their little boy because of the clothes that the child was wearing, even though they pixelated the child's face. I was thinking of the parents saying, oh, I hope to God that they're not watching this scene because it would just be heartbreaking. You know, knowing that you paid that person money to look after your child and that's the way your child was uh, treated. And the Glasnevin branch, this is one of the creches that featured, they charge a thousand euro a month. Now, that was the one that opened in January of 2018 and it operated up to March of last year. It didn't have any registration and that's another huge uh, breach. And this gang, this family, these this Garvey family are certainly making money. The parent company Hide and Seek Childcare Limited which operate the four creches, they saw profits after salaries of 2.78 million over the past five years. So they certainly are making uh, money. But the one thing that I have to say got to me and this is where questions have to be asked about the powers that be the HSE and in particular at Tusla. This woman Anne Davy, who runs this these, along with her family who run these uh, creches she's been before the courts before for failing to provide adequate safeguards and the supervision of children. I take you back please to her being in court in 2005 and the reason she was in court in 2005 was the previous year, July of 2004 and I remember we spoke about it here on the programme. It was her crash that took a group of children out to a play park. Lovely sunny day in July and that's a lovely thing and the parents would be thrilled to think that their little ones went out to the local park. So off they went, fully supervised by the childcare workers and they went to the park and they lost one of the children. They lost a three-year-old little boy and she was taken to court for that and she was fined €1,200. That was in 2005. She was back in court in 2007. She was fined a further 1500 with costs of 2100 for failing to ensure that there was a sufficient number of adults supervising children and that dated back to April of 2016. And there was other cases like that. So she had been in court before. So why is this woman still today, this very day, in Dublin, her creches, those four creches are still open. Okay, that her company are saying that she is not, she's she's decided to have no future role in frontline childcare provision, but she's still running the creches. I mean, why are these creches even still open? You know, and as I said at the start, the majority of creches are excellently run. You know, they're, they're we can all, parents can rest easy knowing that their parents are, are well looked after because childcare workers are highly changed. They are all guard vetted. But then you've got this rogue few. And when you watched that last night, you know, the, the most obsess, upsetting thing for me was the endless crying. You could just constantly hear children crying. And it's sometimes it was children wailing. You know, you knew that they were really, really uh, distressed. And then I thought of parents sitting at home watching it whose children are in other creches or had been in creches in the past. And even though you might be absolutely 100% convinced that your child is in the best childcare facility possible, you are going to have that nagging, nagging little bit of doubt will creep into your 
your your head, either sending your child to the creche today or if you've ever had, had a child in the creche in the past, you know, that you would just... You wanted to go in there and scoop up those children and take those uh, children away. And by the way, before people are saying, you know, how it must have been dreadful for the families and was that the first that they got to see? I'm assuming they would have seen the film footage before because I know RTE said yesterday that they've been in contact with at least 100 families. And it was actually families who initially sparked the investigation because some families came to RT they were concerned about the ratios the staff ratios at uh, hide and seek and, and they went and, and they were concerned for their children as well some of their children personalities had changed I heard one woman say her uh, child was very outgoing you know bubbly little lad and then started at the crash, and she could see him becoming very introverted and very clingy to her and she just started to get suspicious that something wasn't right and uh, she was one of the ones that complained uh, as well. So I'm assuming that the any of the children that would have been identifiable to their parents by the clothes, you know, I mean, you look at them, and you, I mean, all the, the children were pixelated, so you wouldn't know them, but you would very easily identify your little lad who was sitting in the high chair, certainly. And even some of the little ones that were being forced to sleep on there when she was, you know, very roughly, you know, grabbing them up and, and then putting them down on their tummies, you know, like go to sleep sort of thing and just, you know, and holding them down and in one case putting a blanket over a child's head or putting her hand over a child's face and then, you know, holding the child, putting a hand on on his back, holding him down so that he go to sleep quickly. It was just, it was, as I say, I had a really, really bad night's sleep last night uh, because of it. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in uh, to the programme I have my children reared and I have two beautiful grandchildren that I mind them myself says this texture am I glad that they're not in a creche having watched that programme I know all creches are not like that but I hope criminal charges are brought against but there's no talk of that I mean you know it's just they've breached various Tusla conditions and, and whatever I just think it should be closed I just think they should be closed gone I'm the the, not the staff the staff you know because that's the one thing that even the undercover workers said that the staff that were there were doing their very best but it was the rules and regulations that were laid down by management but I think that you should close these creches and that the, the people involved the managers involved should never be allowed to work with children I mean we've heard not often enough but we have heard of people being brought to court for abuse against animals and they're told that they can never look after animals again I, I think these people should be told they can never look after children Again, the management and the owners of these creches. Nora in Mallow says, good morning, uh, Patricia. I'm absolutely horrified at what I saw on TV last night. Those four creches should be shut down. Thank you, Nora. I'm not on my own thinking that. Uh, what that woman did last night to those poor babies, trying to force them to go to sleep, you wouldn't do it to a dog. And what, who's going to sit in a high chair for 40 minutes and a little toddler? I have certainly never seen that happen anywhere else. And as for giving out, well, the list could go on and on. I'm a mother myself to three beautiful children. And I have to say this morning, I've given each and every one of them the biggest hug ever. And you know what? I'm just so glad that I took the option to stay at home. Uh, and I do know there are fabulous creches out there. Uh, rant over thanking you and that's from Nora in Mallow your thoughts welcomed if you watched the RT Investigates programme uh, last night what do we learn from it and should these creches simply be uh, closed down and do Tusla have a lot to learn 
do they need to start doing more of this undercover work? I mean, is that the way we are going to expose it? And something I've said before, and I said it at the time of the Oris Attractor, when again it was RT Investigates went in and they investigated care of uh, disabled people intellectually disabled people and we saw horrific, horrific abuse and thankfully the court cases came out of that and and people were fined and went to jail for it and rightly uh, so. But I remember at the time saying and I say it now again about creches, why can't there be CCTV cameras in all of those day rooms that parents could log on to at any time during the day to check up to see what their little one is up to, to check up, are they asleep? Are they playing? Or there they are in the corner playing with their bricks or they're playing with their other little friend. And I know what will come back is, oh, there's privacy and all of this and GDPR. That is absolute bull. If I put my dog into doggy daycare, I can get a log on and a camera and be able to check to see what my dog is up to. Yet I put my child into a child, ch- child care today and I can't log on, on on a camera. The privacy thing to me, goes. I'm not saying that you stream it online and that everybody gets to see it. Every parent who has a child in there would get a log on code, which obviously would change when new members come in, etc. There are ways, there's technology there. There are ways around to protect it so that it doesn't get streamed for everybody else uh, to see. But I think there should be cameras on all of the time that the children are there and parents should have a right to be able to see at any time what their children are doing or not doing. As I say, I don't know if everybody would agree with me on that, but I do think it's one way of absolutely knowing for sure that your child is, if, if workers feel that they're being watched at all times, you can be guaranteed your child or your elderly person or your person with special needs is going to be looked after. Back to the crash and RT investigates last night. Uh, John says, if you saw animals being treated like this, you'd call in the authorities. But these are children with parents paying massive prices. Why are these people that run creches allowed to be involved in childcare? I do hope that charges will be brought forward after this uh, particular show and Noreen in Coachford said after watching the show last uh, last night is parents really need to stop and think is it worth it handing your children over to be cared for when they are so young parents need to really stop and think would they be better off either the mother or the father staying at home for the first two years of the child's uh, life you're basically handing your child over to a stranger no matter how good a creche is they will always now be that nagging doubt at the back of your mind. Parents should seriously consider one of them staying at home for the first two years. Yeah, and in the ideal world, every parent would do that. But there's a financial implication. Not every, not every, not all families can afford to have both parents at home, even with the high cost of childcare. In order to pay mortgages, high mortgages, keeping the roof over their head, they unfortunately need both both parents out at at work. Some of your uh, WhatsApps in uh, Patricia. While I realise that there are some amazing creches in this country, I know that there are some operating way below standard. How do I know this? My daughter works in an amazing preschool now. However, has not always been the case. And maybe an urgent practice for Tusla would be to inspect creches and 
preschools where there's an alarming changeover of staff where they can't retain staff. This should be a warning sign that things are not what they seem. An owner who is prepared to treat children badly in front of her staff will never have the respect she deserves from them. On applying for creche facilities, parents need to investigate the years of service committed by the staff in the in the in the creche or school. It's difficult for staff to report to Tusla as staff fear this could impact impact on future employment. On applying for a creche, parents need to investigate the years of commitment to the school by the staff. Loyal staff will be working hard to care for their children. That's a really good and a very valid point. You would I think in any business there if there is I love to go into a business where you know people have been working for years and years and years. I always think it's a really good sign of a business and it's a good sign of happy staff and if you have a happy staff you'll have a happy business and nothing could be more true in a creche or preschool environment. So if you've got a crusher preschool where the staff are turning over every few months, they can't, nobody's staying longer than a year. I think that texture is right. Tusla, that should raise alarm bells for Tusla. And the thing on staff not fearful of complaining, that's the whistleblower. Whistleblowers, we know how whistleblowers have been so badly treated in this country and because of that people are fearful. If I speak up now, will this impact on me, on my future career choices for the rest of my life? And for that reason, we don't have enough whistleblowers and we need to have whistleblowers or we won't get exposes like we got uh, last night. Thank you. There's no name on that, but thank you for that uh, text. And a text in from Lorraine and Glengariff to say, Patricia, I am not in the better of watching the RT programme last night. Tusla are the biggest culprits in this case. I think it proves that Tusla is not fit for purpose. That sacked a lot of them, says Lorraine. Today, I had to leave the room for the last 10 minutes of the show. I was that upset last night. I hope that criminal charges are brought against Anne Davy, the owner-manager. I have never seen children treated so badly. My heart was breaking. Not once did I hear a kind word spoken to any child from that woman. I can only imagine how people feel this morning having to drop off a child to the creche. What have we become when, when we allow this to happen? And that's Mulrain in Glengariff. I heard on, on the national radio earlier they had a reporter outside one of the creches that featured last night. Some of the parents were bringing their children in even though they said that the numbers were down. Now it was pretty early so maybe it will pick up a bit but there are seemingly a group of parents that got together on Tuesday in advance of the programme being showed and in order to show a bit of solidarity to the staff because the staff are that are in there are good workers. It's just what they've been forced to do. They had decided that regardless of what they saw last night they would send their children in today. But yeah, but I'll be... No doubt we will find out through other uh, media channels how many actually went to the question today. I know I certainly wouldn't be dropping my child in. Uh, I can 100% tell you that now. 1850 John Paul takes your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862103103. We're going to take a break and come back with a completely different topic. We're going to speak with an international lawyer from West Cork who is trying to help Keith Byrne 
He's the man from Formoy who is facing deportation from the States. We have been following with great interest and sympathy the plight of Formoy native Keith Byrne, who is currently locked up in America awaiting deportation. Another Cork native international lawyer, Michael Goline, Michael Kingston from Goline, has personally got involved in Keith's case and he joins me to outline what he has done to try to help the situation. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the program. What was it about Keith's case that touched you so much? Well, I mean, he's a fellow Irishman, and he's from County Cork, and I was on my way to um, Washington on United States government business on international maritime regulation last Monday um, of not this week, last week, and his sister was on the radio. And I was in unique circumstances in that I was meeting some senators and doing business in Washington. And and um, I, I felt that I was in a position to at least speak to his family and see what the facts were to see if I could make some representations, which I would like to think anyone would do if, if, if they had the opportunity in, 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 uh, in, the, in the situation that I was in at that time. And you hand-delivered a letter to the U.S. Immigration Agency last Friday. Yes, so I arrived on late Monday. Well, when I got to Cork Airport, I spoke to Keith's sister and asked her to send me all the facts of the case. Um, And I worked on the plane on the way to Washington and then raised it in Washington through channels, particularly with Senator Murkowski's um, office who I was meeting in relation to some regulatory work. And then um, when I was heading back on on Thursday, I um, drafted a letter to the head of the international, um, sorry, the Immigration Enforcement, a Customs and Enforcement Agency, and thought that if I could try and leverage the position um, and articulate the argument and as to why he may be an exception to the rule, then it may um, apply at least a degree of pressure and raise the profile of the case and with uh, some outli- of the, uh, the agency. Outline some of the arguments that you use that you believe that Keith should be an, an exceptional case. Well, I mean, we know that, um, you know, no one is above the law and obviously um, Keith is is overstayed his um, visa, his holiday visa, um and and he was on the visa waiver program and what that means is that you when you you get a 90 day period in the United States but in in joining the visa wa- waiver program you um give up your rights to a, a appeal if you remain in the um United States and you're subject to a deportation um order basically automatically but Keith's circumstance changed in that he um he met his um, um, current his wife um, Karen. Karen, yeah, and fell in and, love. And as you know, and and um, it's a genuine relationship. And mm. he has, um, as everyone has heard, three children. One one is a, a, a son from Karen's previous relationship, a stepson, and um, they are obviously all United States citizens. And if he is deported, then it will it will split the family because. His wife um, is in an impossible situation. His stepson has a loving relationship also with his paternal father and his mother, so the child's grandmother, and their extended family. So this 
decision would um, affect um, at least six immediate United States citizens. And uh, additionally, um, the Byrne family are no strangers to the United States in that his uh, grandmother, sorry, grandmother. Nellie, Nellie Byrne. Nellie left. um, Well, I heard that it was uh, an amount of, of, over 1.5 million to the United States and I asked the Byrne family when did that happen and that was back in the early 1960s and if you in index link that in, in inflation in recognized international standard inflation that's 12.5 million in today's whoa, money whoa, whoa. So, you know and it yeah. wasn't just any uh, 12.5 million for some sort of commercial project it was to help a children's hospital Mm. The weak and the needy, um, and 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 they've had a massive impact on the um, society of the United States. So I argued that um, they have that the United States owe the Byrne family a degree of of um, uh, recognition mm. in the very least. Well done. Um, we can, if, we can we can see why you're such a great lawyer. Uh, tell me, did you hear? Did you get a reply? We're still waiting. It's ah, working through okay. the channels. That's right. not going to happen over overnight. The, um, the it's working through the senator's office uh, system, and it's also um, um, the the pressure is on where ICE is concerned. I delivered the letter to the headquarters um, of Matthew Matthew Albans is the is the director and. And certainly all the work by the Irish media and not just in Ireland, but in the United States is uh, is helping good. to That's good. Uh, press it in, in, because, in, in the right direction. Because we've made it very clear that this is a high profile case, um, um, case and that, um, you know, Ireland would like to have their confidence and commitment to the morality of the United States reassured, uh, both here and in the United States. And if Keith is not granted a reprieve, Michael, would you at least like to see him have his day in court and let him put his case to an immigration judge? Well, I mean, that's what we've argued. Because of this visa waiver programme, when he originally was on holiday a decade ago, um, you, you give up your rights to a, um, to, to a hearing in front of an immigration judge but we've argued that in the very least and in the interest of fairness with the United States invoking its moral authority in the right way, um, that, to, that, that that is the very least that they should do. And, and just to distinguish Keith Byrne from many other cases, he's not someone that was just plucked off the street that the United States didn't know about. He was document, documented and was genuinely working the system in for 10 years appealing um, for a, a green card or applying for a green card and, mm. and, and then appealing denials and paying his taxes. And he's not someone that was um, hiding. He was he was contributing to the system openly and, and legally. And he, he signed uh, last Friday, um, he signed the papers that would begin the deportation process. Uh, and I know when we were talking with his dad, Jim, last Friday, this was in advance of Keith signing. We didn't know for sure if Keith was going to sign and if he didn't sign, he would end up going to jail. Did he do the right thing, do you believe, in signing the paperwork? Yeah, uh, Yes, I think he did because, okay. um, look, it's quite straightforward Legally speaking, um, the United States, in the process that they have um, invoked, are entitled to deport to deport him. I mean, let's just let's be clear about that. So, 
for him to do anything contrary to to that process would be counter would be counterproductive. Okay. What we're appealing to here, there is an overarching um, discretionary decision in and every nation has it, including here in dear old Ireland. It's called moral authority and invoking it in the right way. And so the ultimate and the reason why we've made these representations and, and, and are driving them is that the United States have a discretion to, um, to, to grant a reprieve, invoking their moral authority, which, of course, is something that's question, questionable at the moment. But um, we have to um, rely and have faith in the fact and in humanity that there are still good people working in agencies in the civil service and in ICE who will listen to these representations. So to do anything um, that would um, provoke or um, counter um, um, the the goodwill, if we can find it, of decent people in these agencies would be counterproductive. So on his lawyer's advice, he signed um, the papers, which was effectively to, I think, renew his passport. Um, and, and, and that's the right... Um, way to go from from what I can see without having been immediately involved in that particular part of the process. I know, so it's an Irish passport. He's wait, it's obviously he's come back to Dublin now to get an Irish passport, which will be sent out. To I the don't States. know the ins and outs of that, um, Patricia, but I think something along those lines. But I mean, when, when we wrote, when I wrote this letter, it's not a um, a letter that is um, disrespectful to the process of the United States. It, it respects the the United States, the decision-making process, but pleads with them for um, for, for um, uh, reprieve um, on the basis of moral decency. And it's not um, a, an antagonizing approach. It's a respectful approach. And it's very important to remember that that's the, um, that's the approach that needs to be taken, particularly in the current political climate. And his family and Ke- and including Keith have always been very upfront and honest about the minor drug offence that happened in Ireland in his early twenties, where he was caught with a a couple of joints. Um, there's a lesson, I suppose, to be learnt in that as well, isn't there? That young people need to be very careful about something that you something very silly you do as a young person can come back to bite you as an adult. Well, I mean, it's 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 a huge lesson. I think if Keith Byrne. Um, gets a reprieve. He's got a career in 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 um, in lecturing the youth of <laughs> Ireland and elsewhere in in um, how important it is not to get yourself into into trouble. And and a, a valuable lessons are being learnt here for uh, for society. And you you've hit the nail on the head. I mean that's that's quite clear. But there also is another lesson in humanity that. You know, a degree of forgiveness and mm. humanity is also extremely important. And lots of lessons for the youth um, to to learn okay. um, from from this process. But you're dead right. Okay, well done. And what are you up to yourself? You're always a very busy man. I'm up to all sorts of things. <laughs> um, I'm I'm well. I actually on another matter on the Whitty Island matter. I have to do a talk in Cork next week at the Mother Jones Festival. So. Okay. That's going to be an interesting occasion, to put it mildly. So and is that, op- a little bit is, of a, is that open to the public? It's open to the public okay. in, in in Cork, and 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 there will be, um, shall we say, since the commemoration in January. Yeah. Speaking of moral, moral authority and humanity, I haven't heard from our dear old dear government, who was supposed to correspond with me. So, 
um, action will be taken shortly and that will be heard about at the Mother Jones Festival in Cork next week. Okay, Moral authority applies everywhere in the United States, in Ireland, and indeed across the water in the, in the United Kingdom. So let's hope that Ireland can um, can can be the, the leading light where moral authority is concerned. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Uh, Michael, I leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning Take to care. you. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, Michael Kingston uh, from Goldeen, who is an international lawyer. And if we hear any more on Keith Byrne, uh, by the way, it's a week tomorrow now since he signed the paperwork which will begin the process of his deportation. I, I, I do think it's it's because he's obviously his Irish passport is out of date I do think that's what the part of the signing of the paperwork he can't leave the country unless he has a passport with him so it's obviously back here getting processed and then we'll go back to the States we were told it would take about three weeks to have all the paperwork signed, sealed and delivered and in that period of time the work is going on behind the scenes like what Michael did in writing that letter in trying to get him some kind of a reprieve but failing a, a reprieve at least let him have a day in court because I think if he puts his case to any immigration judge with a you know a scrap of decency and humanity I think he would be okay but it's just it's where he, he can't get to put his story and to plead his case and to explain why he is where he is. 1850 John Paul's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Your calls and comments. Welcome to 1850 Text and WhatsApp 0862 103 103. By the way, uh, we will in a couple of minutes be talking about dog fouling and in particular dog fouling bins for the responsible people who walk their dogs bring their plastic bags uh, with them and then they need somewhere to dispose of the plastic bags we don't have everybody accepts we don't have enough of those red dog fouling bins where you put your poo in the bag and into the bin we need more of them and there's a kind of a push on the council to supply more of them but just on the whole issue of dog fouling we picked this up from the Dunmanway Community Council Facebook page. A, a person in the area sent a photograph into the Facebook page of dog poo on a street footpath in Dunmanway and was saying, look, post it up on your Facebook page just to, to show people how unacceptable it is to leave this behind and just to remind people that their do- their doggy mitts are available free of charge in the Dumanway area. The person who sent it in said it's a disgrace and it's irresponsible to think people can leave the likes of this for somebody else to clean up or for children to pick up or for children to walk into. There are dispensers quite close to this location. There's one at the children's playground and there's also one available at uh, Landis. And what the person is talking about is the mitt mutt bags that are supplied by Dunmanway Community Council and they're supplied free of charge to members of the public. Anybody in the Dunmanway area walking their dog, they don't even have to worry about bringing their own plastic bags with them because Dunmanway Community Council have for a number of years now been supplying these mitt mutt bags free of charge. And not all areas do it, but Dunmanway do it and they've got to be commended for for. It, they're available to all dog walkers and obviously the idea of them is it encourages you to clean up after your dog and in case you went out and you changed your jacket and your 
plastic bags that you normally bring with you or in the pocket. You know, everyone will have an, have, uh, an excuse to be in the pocket of the other bag and you didn't bring it uh, with you, even though, can I suggest to people, you can, and I'm sure you must be able to buy them here. I saw them in Australia when I was there at Christmas. It's an offence in Australia to go out walking your dog unless you have your plastic bags with you. You can be stopped by a dog warden and fined, not because your dog did something you didn't clean up after them because you were not in a position to clean up after your dog if they stop you and you don't have the little plastic bags uh, with you and every single dog I saw out on the lead on their actual chain and lead or the collar on their neck they had a little plastic box that had the plastic bags in it and I thought what a clever idea and every single dog didn't spot one dog that didn't have this on the, the lead that the owner had uh, with them. But anyway, you don't have to worry about that in Dunmanway because the Community Council are supplying the bags for free and they have dispensers available at the Lakes, Lakeside Garden, Castle Street, the Toilets of Super Value Car Park, the Market Square and St Mary's Road. So there is no excuse at all. And once again, well done to the Community Council in Dunmanway. Great initiative. And yet still, somebody was able to send on to their Facebook page evidence of somebody who walked by one of those free bags let their dog do their business and then just walk down by because obviously there was no one around to spot them absolutely shameful still getting in a lot of texts I have to say more than calls from the RTE investigates that went undercover yet last the programme was was aired last night and it went undercover to a chain of creches all of them, by the way, in the Dublin uh, area, hide and seek. I think wasn't that the name of, of the chain? And in particular, it exposed the owner, this Anne Davy woman, who they've now said is no longer playing a role in frontline childcare provision. But because besides she was an owner, she was also the manager of one of the and the creches and they're large creches. I mean, this family are making this company are making a lot of money out of these uh, crashes. Some of your comments in on this. There's an old saying, money talks and SHIT walks. I've never heard that before. Money talks and mm, walks. Uh, there will be nothing done about this, Patricia, because the government are getting their money. Tusla needs to be properly trained, says a texter. Someone else says, there is a wonderful preschool in Mill Street, Rena, and it has the same good staff for years. They are fantastic. And that's, didn't somebody make that point earlier that if you go into a preschool or a creche where you have staff that have been there for years and years and years that's a really good sign but if you walk into a premises that every three or four months there seems to be new staff or a turnover of staff or agency staff you've got to start to question why do the staff not want to work here what are they witnessing when mummy and daddy isn't isn't around. I mean, to me, that really is uh, alarm bells. Tim says, Trisha, I lay the blame for this on the rat race society in which we live today. Women should do what they were created for, to stay at, at home with their children. Tis greed at all levels, says Tim. Women should do what they were created for, to stay at home with their children. And and what... And, what in a father's DNA stops him being staying at home? Was he? In, what, I don't. What do you mean? A woman was created to stay at home. Tradition had it. You know, it was sort of the tradition. But I don't think it's in your that you, we were actually that women were actually created to stay at home. There are there are lots of mothers and fathers who would love to stay at home. But I mentioned this earlier. They can't. They financially 
can't. And I think you're wrong when you say it's greed. Okay, you'll have some people who are in that lovely position that they're working purely just for pocket money. But the majority of women that head out the front door every day, particularly those that have young children who are dropping them to crash or might be lucky enough to have granny looking after them or have some childminder are coming in. I don't think any of them willingly leave the home every day. They're doing it. It's not for greed reasons. They're doing it to pay the bills. They're doing it to keep the roof over that child's head and to pay for the electricity and to pay for schooling costs and everything else. So so I don't, you can't put the blame on women on this one, uh, Tim, for sure. Hi, Patricia. I worked in a creche short term and there was a sleep time and the children had to stay on the mattress until the time was up. And a friend worked there later and they had the same sleeping system. And even though she wasn't doing anything else, she was asked to ignore a child who was new and crying and seemed very distressed. The child was left to cry most of the day. Her bigger sister was upstairs in the play school, but the manager refused to let her come down for a while to console the 11-month-old little girl. Oh my God, is that not... Absolutely heartbreaking. And obviously it was the, the first day or the first or second day of the little 11 months. Mum, you know, mum is going back after maternity leave and the little one is getting used to the crash, the crash and there is a settling in period. And actually when I watched the programme last night, I watched it with my young niece who's trained in, in childcare. So it was interesting, you know, I was saying, is, should they be doing that? Is that, what's wrong with that? What's, you know, particularly when the children were crying. And she spoke about a settling in period where they give literally they almost give one-on-one in those first few days to get the child used to it and to get the child confident and happy and secure because they're in a strange environment. You know, that little 11-month girl has been at home with mammy and big sister you know, and one-on-one attention probably when the big sister went off to play school and then suddenly is, you know, plucked out of this loving family home where everything was gorgeous and where she was the centre of everybody's world and put into this very strange environment where there's lots of other babies and lots of other children and nobody to give her that one-on-one. So definitely those early days, but to be left crying like that and you wouldn't you think, you know, the big sister in the preschool is probably, well, a three or a four-year-old would have given great comfort to that little 11 month old that little girl that little baby was scared and if she'd seen her big sister you know she probably would have gone off to sleep and would have stopped crying God that's awful to hear awful awful to hear Uh, and Kevin says hi um, should that lady this is Anne Davy should she be prosecuted for child cruelty Tussler are a joke. It's like the cruelty that goes on in nursing homes. Ask anyone that works in one, says uh, Kevin. Well, we had we had kind of similar, and again, we had to rely on RTE to do it with the Oris Attractor, with the intellectually disabled a few years ago. We had the same kind of thing exposed uh, as well. How do we stop it? How do we stop it? Patricia, this is from Pat from Mallow. Why didn't RTE halt the filming and contact the guards? Some of the things done to the children were bordering on a criminal offence. The welfare of the children were being threatened at that moment in time says Pat from Mallow. Well, I think in the programme it stated that when any of the situation was particularly bad, that's when the worker left and reported it straight away to Tusla which is where, where, I mean, and I'm assuming if you go to the guards with a thing like that, they'll say it's Tusla. We'll have to have to get involved. She, lots of people are asking that question. Is, is there a criminal? There does, I mean, anything, I mean, I'm, I'm scouring through the papers today and there's no mention of any criminal. 
the, there was there was nothing done that you could say that person deserves to be brought to court and it's a criminal offence. I can't find anything anywhere that anyone is pointing to that. And every and obviously before the programme aired last night, this company, Hide and Seek, this crash company, all everything that was raised was was put to them. And they've come back out with an answer to everything. I mean, even the watering down of the milk, which very obviously was done to save them money. And they justified that to say, oh, you know, that girl got it wrong. It was only for one girl and it was done because the child had reflux. So the parents wanted the child to have a watered down milk instead, even though you could clearly hear the other worker, the more senior worker, telling the newbie, 50-50, yeah, 50-50, you water it down when she asked why. The more senior worker said, all the children get it because they shouldn't be on full-fat milk, wherever she got that from, I don't know. But they had an answer for everything, even the, the noodles, the cheap noodles that the children were getting. And on the menu that day was a vegetable stir-fry. And when they were asked about that, they said, yes, the cheap noodles were used, but they came up with, there was some vegetable paste or something. Pureed vegetables had been mixed through it, even though the girl working there said she didn't see anything. All she saw was the cheap 12-cent noodles being cooked cooked up so they, they literally had an answer for everything 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls text our uh, WhatsApp 086 103 C103 Jobs Scaffolders are wanted for work in Cork City and the surrounding areas. You need to have all the necessary accreditation. Charleville Plant Care, they're looking for drivers. You need to have a full rigid C and an Arctic CE licence. While a bus driver with a D licence and up-to-date CPCs wanted for school runs in Bandon, Coachford and in Clonakilty. And Jermina Community Play School are currently recruiting for a room leader with Fetech Level 6 in uh, childcare. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I can see still a lot of comments coming in on the Primetime Investigates uh, programme going undercover in those Dublin uh, crashes and I'll get back to your comments but I want to move on to a different issue because the issue of dog fouling was discussed at length at a recent council meeting with county hall bosses asked to reconsider their policy of refusing to give dog fouling bins to community groups leading the call Councillor Daniela Toomey who uh, joins me Good morning to you Daniela Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. Um, just the background on this. Why did the council decide to stop giving out these bins? Well, the, the policy was introduced pre-2012 and back in 2012, the Environmental Department decided to change the policy and no longer issue bins through the veterinary department to community groups who would actively maintain and clean those bins themselves. I think the reason cited for changing that policy was that they were having issues with certain groups that weren't sufficiently emptying the bins regularly and that weren't, you know, maintaining them as, you know, as they should have been, um, giving rise to some health concerns and, you know, foul foul odours in in the warm weather conditions. So they they changed their policy in 2012 and a lot of councillors actually weren't aware that they had changed the policy. Um, Now, 2012 is is before I became a councillor, but a lot of the older councillors weren't even aware that they changed the policy. Um, 
announcement there, you know, it, it, it kind of came to light as well that different municipal districts have different rules, whereas in West Cork, they seem to give the bins, you know, freely, but in East Cork, they don't. And it's actually the environmental department's policy not to give bins. So the, the, the MDs are within their rights not to give bins to community groups. I suppose my main point was that, you know, um, like community groups who are willing to maintain and clean, like tidy towns or, you know, clean up groups that are willing to maintain and clean the bins and, you know, will endeavour into to do that should be allowed to to have the bins. Um, there was one community group in particular in East Cork, a newly formed community group that was set up to look after a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And they request made a request through me for a dog fouling bin. I requested, now I know that they, that in East Cork we had dog fouling bins in storage from when the Tidy Towns was disbanded. So I know that they were there. And I asked for one for this group who had, you know, who are very respectable and, you know, told me that. And I, I know them all very well. You know, there was no worries there. So I asked, you know, for the bin and I was told that this was the policy had changed and they could no longer get the bin. So they actually had to fundraise for a bin for oh, themselves. And, and, and did they do that? Did they? They did, yeah, they did. They were actually gifted a bin by Balancholic um, Credit Union. So big thank you to Balancholic Credit, Credit Union. But I mean, we're in East Cork. You know, the fact that it had to come from Balancholic, I just thought it was it was Not crazy. good enough, not good enough. It's not good ha- enough. Okay, no. Danielle, Danielle, has it ever been the case that the council emptied the bins? Or would empty the bins? I, I think pre-town council days, there probably was um, that, you know, but I suppose... One of the issues raised by other councillors when I brought this motion forward, and they made extremely good points, that the council has a basic responsibility here. That if the council cannot provide bins to the people that they are supposed to look after, then what is the purpose of them? And you know that they felt that by allowing community groups to um, clean, have to clean and maintain their own groups, that it was leaving the council off of their responsibilities. And that is a huge point, and I completely agree with everything that they say. But I suppose the underlying issue here is that the staff, we don't have the resources in the council. In Middleton, we have seven or outdoor staff, and we have a population of 12,500. So there's, there's no resource. 12,500 for seven outdoor staff? Yes. God, that sums it up, doesn't it? And you know something, those those men go out every day and the work they do is fantastic, but they're just, they're they're stretched so thin. And I think, um, you know, look, the fact that there is groups out there who are willing, yeah, and who are willing to do it, because it's a pretty disgusting job to have to do. It is. But they are, there are such committed tidy towns uh, groups and local enhancement groups. They're willing to do it. They are. Um, there was also one um, other councillor. Um, she's actually a member of her tidy towns um, in West Cork. And she said to me that what they do is that they actually use some of their grant allocation. And they, um, I think it's 1500 a year that they pay a Dublin company that comes down and empties them every week. So Good there's idea. ways and means, yeah, yeah. There's ways and means about it. But Getting around at end, it. Yeah, at the end of the day, if the groups are there willing to make a difference right now because you know we can't wait for you know to, to to be able to take on more staff the issue is here now and the issue is getting worse every day and if we have groups that are willing to help themselves the council should be in a position to help them help themselves and to hear you say that you know that there are bins in storage so there isn't even really a cost factor to this no 
yeah, it, it's so frustrating, so frustrating. And the thing is, I mean, other municipal districts will give them out. I think they're probably in East Cork. I, I'm not sure was there pre pre me being councillor was there an issue. I'm not sure, um, but you know. They're within their rights not to give them out, and I suppose I made the point that maybe if we kind of look at this again in reintroducing the policy, that the environmental department would start giving out bins. Maybe if they, you know, like if if a group were to apply for the bin, that they could maybe sign a document to say, look, we promise that we will do this. Yeah, some like there's ways and means. And there, uh, there probably was a very small number for whatever reason didn't maintain them. But everybody shouldn't get tired with the one brush and everybody shouldn't get affected because some groups, you know, fell down on on emptying their bins. Exactly. And I mean, it's the same as, you know, responsible dog owners and non-responsible dog owners. I don't think it's fair to tarnish, like a lot, most of the the dog owners in East Cork are very responsible. I think the main issue we have here is with the actual lack of bins. Yeah, rather because than it was only it was only a few weeks ago we were discussing this issue, and it was a, the cemetery in Middleton. Some people yeah. were throwing, they were bringing their bags with them. They were picking up the poo, and then they were throwing yeah. it up into the trees. Yeah, it's actually, and the worst thing about that graveyard is that there is actually bins in that graveyard. There's one as the top end of the graveyard and there's um, a large bin at the other end of the graveyard just by the church. So there really was absolutely no, no, no excuse. Because there isn't bins in every graveyard so there's no. somebody completely acting uh, irresponsibly. It's it's just yeah. shocking. But it, d- it does prove that particular story of the, the poo bags up the tree. You have yeah. to make it as easy as possible unfortunately for people, even the yeah. responsible ones who bring their bags with them. They're going to clean yeah. up after their dogs but we have to make it as easy as possible. And the way we do that is by having enough of these dog fouling bins around the place. Yeah, we have a lovely walkway here in Middleton, the Baelic walkway. Um, it's just kind of adjacent to the N25. And when that was first opened, um, we had litter bins and we had dog fouling bins at each end of that walkway. Great. And when our tidy towns were disbanded, because the tidy towns were the ones who looked after the dog fouling bins, um, they removed all of those bins. So now there's no bins and the same issue is happening on that walk. The bags are being thrown up into the bushes, into the trees. And it really is, it just, I like a lot of a lot of the officials say that these bins don't work, but it's just clear to see that removing them is, is counterproductive. Why, why was your tidy towns disbanded? I think it was a lack of members. I think their their membership kind of dwindled a bit. But I think, you know, there has been, um, you know, we've been trying to get it back up and running in the last, you know, year or so. And we, we'll keep on trying. What a shame. What a shame. But but they only keep going by getting new members in. That's you know, it. It's, it, it, yeah. it, it is very hard. Uh, do you think we will ever get a handle on the issue of dog fouling, fouling on our streets and, and, and in our parks? Will we ever see an end to it? Well, you know, I, I hope so. But I mean, I've brought, I, I personally, and so have a lot of other councillors, have brought in numerous, numerous motions about this. You know, my last motion, I think, was last year, I requested that they set up a dog fouling task force, you know, that would joined up thinking people from the environmental department, municipal district officers, councillors, and, you know, rather than, you know, having a dog warden or a litter warden just walk the streets, maybe that they target hotspots where they know that 
like walkways and stuff where they mm. know that we have a dog fouling issue. Um, that was the last year. I've heard nothing back. Literally, all we get is that there's no resources, there's no money, there's no money. There's no appetite from the environmental department. It seems to me, my personal opinion, there's no appetite from them to, ta- to tackle this issue. Because you go to other countries and you can see it I mean, across across Europe. They don't have this problem that we have. But even Dublin Council, Dublin City Council, yeah. are very, very proactive um, in terms of dog fouling. They have issued, you know, um, in their parks, some some parts of their parks are, are dog free and some parts are, you know, just, you know, dog for, for walking your dog. Yeah. But they have, like, they're... They're the most prominent council in issuing fines. That's what you have and, to do. Yeah. And I think like it, it's frightening at the fact that we issue so little fines in Cork County. I think, I'm, I could be wrong here now, but I think reading last year, I think there was 178 dog fouling fines in the whole country and 100 of them were from Dublin City Council. Yeah. It's the only way if people think they're going to be fined or caught. Yeah. But you see, there we go back to the resources as well. We don't have enough yeah. litter wardens yeah. and we don't have enough, you know, people to, to issue the fines. And yeah. there needs to be more enforcement. All right, we leave it there, um, Daniela. Keep us updated on, on, on this because I think a lot of people will agree with you. We need more of these dog fouling bins, but just it's to get the community groups involved who will agree to uh, empty them. Okay, we leave it there. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, East Cork Councillor uh, Daniela Toomey on the lack of dog fouling bins. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your course. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Anthems. C103 Anthems. Continue to inspire generations. Songs that continue to inspire generations. C103 Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And dog fouling, whenever it comes up, we always get a string of texts and calls uh, in, summed up by this one. Dog owners should take responsibility, bag their dog poo and dispose of it at home. Problem solved. How do we get that message across though? 1850-333-103. Now, for many people, climbing Ireland's highest mountain, Corontuil, is a major undertaking. But to consider doing it with the diagnosis of motor neuron disease is surely beyond heroic. To chat about her husband, Michael's planned climb, I'm joined by Valerie Hurley from Clonakilty. Good morning to you, Valerie. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well and and you're welcome to to the programme. When was Michael first diagnosed with motion neuron and what was his early symptoms? So he was diagnosed in October 2017 and his symptoms were muscle wastage and weakness to the right arm, first off. Do you still remember the day you got the diagnosis? Oh God, yeah. I don't think it's a day we'll ever forget. Yeah. Did you know anything about motor neuron disease before that? Well, I mean, it's not really something you'd hear about. It's not really, uh, the awareness of it isn't really out there unless you're touched by it, you know. Um, so 
We didn't. I mean, we'd done the ice water challenge five years ago, like everyone else in the country. Mm. And, um, you know, you're doing it like everyone else in your something that, you know, everyone was participating in, but a lot of people didn't know what it was even for or about. Um, but yeah, then when it knocks on your door, it's a whole other ball game, you know. Yeah, and when you get involved in something like that, it's something that happens to other people and you think, yeah, you know, yeah. there but you for the grace think. of God. You never think it's going to land on your, your own no. door, but you never know. You just, you never, yeah. ever know. And so nearly two years on, uh, Valerie, yeah. how is Michael doing? So, um, so at the moment now, he's like he's doing quite well. His legs are great. Um, he's no use of his arms now, both of them. Um, so, but his legs are good and his speech is good and he's holding his own. You know. Mm. Is, yeah, can he, is he on medication? Is there medication? He is, yeah. he is like I mean, he's on a Rudacell. It's a tablet that they came up with more than twenty-two years ago, and it hasn't been changed since. Okay. So it's just that one tablet. You take it twice a day, and that's it other muscle relaxants then to help with twitches and um, muscle spasms and all that sort of thing, you know. Any pain? No pain. Great. The thing with motor neuron is that there's no pain with it. You lose um, feeling. So everything just goes numb. numb. Yeah. And and yeah. You, and is he working? Is he able to work? Was he working? No, no, he was. He was working. He was working in Carberry Plastics in Clannacilty and... Um, at the time of diagnosis, you now he he only left work April last year, so 2018. Um, he worked until he he couldn't, you know, until the ha- the right hand just wasn't working anymore. So it's a hands-on job, it's manual labour. So there was no way he could continue with that, you know. Was that tough for him? It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. 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 Along with driving, you know, being un- unable then to drive after that as well after a few months, you know. So the driving is gone as well. The driving's gone now as well. Since the right hand started to go, there was, you know, you couldn't, you really couldn't. Um, and then what about, are you working or are you working at home or? So I actually had to give up work um, about 10 weeks, 10, 11 weeks ago um, when Michael's left hand totally lost power. So, yeah, so... I'm on carers now, so I'm a full-time carer. Yeah. And children? Uh, four. Four boys. Well, and yeah. what, what age are they? So Dylan, he's 23, and then Shale and Colin, they're 20, they're twins, and then Callum, he's 13. So are yeah. they all so are they're, they all, they're all still at home? They are, are yeah, they? yeah. Mine's in us both. Great, great. <laughs> and, and, and they're good lads, are they? They are. They're great, Aggies. Yeah, they're super. They really are now. And, and, they're, all, and you're, they're you're, you're surrounded by a household of men. I am. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, God, I have a daughter, goddaughter, so she takes over for that. Does she? Well done. Yeah. Okay, so you've come up with um, fundraising, and it's fundraising for the Motor Neuron Disease uh, Asso- uh, Association, um, and obviously for for Michael's continuing care. Tell yeah. me, firstly, how did the MMD Association? How how have they helped you? In what way have they supported my God, you? They're they're absolutely wonderful. I think without them, people with motor neuron just I I don't know how they'd. Call um between grants for holistic therapies and for yourself, not even the patient, for families as well, counselling, everything, grants for a breakaway. They just they help they've they've a team of six, so like there are six nurses. So in between them they'd call to you every few months and there's always someone here then as well from Bantry Palliative Care and Marymount. They work in conjunction with each other. So every three weeks someone from that team of six would also call. So they all work together and they're absolutely amazing. 
I mean, without them, we would be lost. You would be lost in the system here. And that's what keeps you you going, and it's important that you keep going as well, Valerie, yeah, because you've got. Yeah, they, I mean, they really do. I, if, you know, even to the point if you you are feeling unwell yourself, like I am at the moment, I'm suffering greatly with my discs. I've just been told there now that I won't be able to do the climb. I was going. That was going to be my very last question. Yeah. I'd seen online that you had a painful neck issue. Yes, uh, I just found out there now after an MRI Monday. So you're not going to be able to do the climb? No. No, don't listen. You you're you're doing enough supporting Michael and supporting everybody else. So don't be don't don't let it upset you. You know, you you'll be with them you'll be with them I'll in be spirit. Anyway. Yeah, I'll be, be there, there, of course I'll you will. I'll be there, I'll be there um fashioning my lovely new neck collar. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be grand. And there's a big <laughs> there's, is there a big gang doing the climb or how many? There is, there's fifty three climbers. Fifty three? Yeah, and then there's um, seven guides as well from the Kerry Mountain Rescue. So they're all volunteering their time. And yeah, we have 53 local people um, climbing and a few from Dublin, a few of Milo's cousins, coming, or Michael's cousins coming down, you know. So, oh my God, it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great, you know. And, and, and you, you, it's Milo is what he's, he's known as to everybody. Yeah, is Milo, yeah. 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 Everyone <laughs> calls him Milo. Yeah. And, and so, is, is, he, is he up for the climb? Do you know what? Because his legs are so good, he's gonna he's not gonna let modern neurons stop him anyway, like definitely not. Determination is key, like and he's he's getting on really well with with the support now that's behind him and it's it's spurred him on even even more, you know. Oh, man. Like we done we done Mount Brandon about nine weeks ago, myself, Michael and another um, man, Mick, from the Mountain Rescue. So that took us six hours twenty minutes. Okay. So now the legs have got a little bit weaker since that climb, but um, he's not going to leave this stop him. And he can, a, he, can, he can take his time. It's not a race. That's it. Just, it's not a race. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, as slow as the last person, and they're doing Carr, which is the, the longest route of Carr and Tool. It's 45 minutes longer, but it's the safest option. Okay. You know, so he's doing that route with a, there'll be about seven of them to 10 of them. And you have a Facebook page. So we have a Facebook page, it's called Milo's Motor Neuron Movement. And in that we have an event called Come Climb With Me for MND. Okay, so, and, and how can people donate? So we have a GoFundMe page then as well, it's called Come Climb With Me for MND. So um, that's flying it at the moment. Is it? Absolutely fl- yeah, it is. I mean, it's just flying it. We had, we had a massive donation the other morning um, of a thousand euro. Wow. And, yeah, yeah, it was an anonymous donation, but we were blown away. People are great. Yeah, people pe- are great. Pe- people, are, pe- pe- people are they great. They need to keep you going, you know. Yeah, and that's what will keep, it'll keep, it'll keep you going, and it'll keep Milo going, and it'll keep the boys going. Yeah. And, it'll, and, it'll keep, and it sounds like you've got a good community spirit and, and support around you. We have, we have. And, like, Michael's family lives in Clannacilty as well, um, so they're great, you know. He's four brothers, four strapping brothers, so... You know, they're all, they're, gr- they're great, you know. Good, good. Yeah. All right, listen, we wish you the best uh, best of luck to everybody. Uh, and it's, is it so- Saturday or Sunday? When did it's I Saturday. say? Saturday. Saturday the 27th, What's, yeah. Have you yeah. seen, is the weather forecast okay? It's, looking, it's, it's looking, a bit dodgy, is it? a bit dodgy <laughs> at the minute, but we're, we're hoping, we're hoping that it'll hold its own now and everyone throughout the little statues. <laughs> Child of Prague statues, please. Go. Yeah, put them out. And, put them uh, out. Put them out. Put yeah. them out. And um, <laughs> let them get up the mountain safely and come back down as, as safe as they got up. And 
okay. and celebrate after that then. And the Facebook page again is Milo's... So Milo's Motor Neuron Movement and the event is Come Climb With Me for MND okay. and that's also the name of the GoFundMe page. We'll touch base with you again, Valerie. Pass on our best wishes uh, to Milo and to the boys and look after yourself. You're a, you're a mighty a woman. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Take care. Really God bless. God Thank bless. You. Bye-bye. 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 Um, what a lovely woman. That's uh, Valerie Hurley from uh, West Cork. Uh, if people uh, spare few Bob, uh, support them and help them, uh, please, in the Motor Neuron Disease Association. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, charity and they're going to be splitting the money between the association and for Milo's ongoing care. God, it's a tough hand of cards, isn't it, uh, to be dealt. Uh, it really is. And, and we wish Valerie good luck with her neck. She's got a, that disc problem and the pain of that is, is absolutely dreadful. So, Best of luck to everybody taking part in that walk on uh, Sunday. Uh, and I'm just getting a call in to say that there is a 10 to 15 minute delay between Inner Shannon and halfway roundabout. Somebody has just texted that in. Now, I'll try and check out what's going on. Is it are there roadworks in that area? It could be roadworks. I don't know if there's an accident. I haven't uh, any information in to, to say it's an accident or whatever. But just to let other people know, if you are travelling in that area, be prepared for a 10 to 15 minute delay between Inner Shannon and Half Way. And we are still getting in texts about the Primetime Investigates programme from last night. Let me give you a sample of some of the ones that will be coming in throughout the morning. John says, that television programme I watched last night was the most disgusting piece of TV I've seen in a long time. I felt so sorry for the workers. They were being directed by money-hungry owners. What I was watching is physical abuse. I still cannot understand why the Gardaí are not involved. That's probably the most prominent text that we're getting from people as to why the Gardaí uh, are not uh, involved. 1.2 million, this is Philip, 1.2 million by way of subsidies per year to this company. And they're averaging 400,000 euro profit for every year for the last five years. This is mental. They will be hurt by this, but it will be forgotten about come September. Mark my words, when it's impossible to find a creche, they'll have people queuing outside the doors looking for places. Unfortunately, it is a sorry state of affairs at the moment. Gronia says, I was in tears throughout watching that programme last night. The woman who was in charge, who was the owner, is a disgrace to her profession. Uh, Nicola says oh my god I was so distressed watching that programme last night those poor little babies and the the parents having to watch it I couldn't sleep a wink last night I wonder how those parents slept and then a number of people picking up on the 2.7 million euro profits uh, they are making a fortune including Ready to pop the question? The jewellers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Money coming from the taxpayer. Enough is enough. That place needs to be closed down. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Councillor Paul Hayes in West Cork. Listening to my piece with Valerie Hurley in the last hour talking about her son, her, her husband, Milo, Michael Milo Hurley's diagnosis with uh, motor neuron disease. And by God, they're fighting and they head on on this climb that they're doing uh, this weekend to go to Coron Tuhill. Uh, Paul, Councillor Paul Hayes actually is one of the climbers. So, Sai Patricia, both Valerie and Michael Milo Hurley are an inspiration to the rest of us despite being dealt a terrible fate. They've tried to remain positive and enjoy their family time together and they're now seeking to help others in a similar position by raising awareness and funding for motor neuron disease. Fingers crossed that we'll get good weather on Saturday for the climb. It will be a privilege to walk to the highest point of Ireland with Milo and the other supporters. I urge everybody to support the GoFundMe page or sponsor any of the climbers from Clonakilty and beyond. Thanks a million. As in Councillor Paul Hayes. Safe climbing, Paul, to you and the rest of the uh, team and I've just checked it with John Paul there we've put it up on our Twitter and our Facebook uh, page as well and let's try and get the word out and try and raise as much money as we can for the what is fantastic fantastic uh, cause 1850 if you're looking for something to do with the family and I know with holidays underway people are often looking for things to do and day trips etc Padraig Moynihan in Glamworth says Patricia there's something most people should do at some point and that is a day trip to Skellig Michael we did it a few weeks ago what a fantastic place Borick in Glamworth and it's a place I haven't been to and it, it very much I mean obviously I was very aware of Skellig Michael but it very much came on my radar when they used it for the filming of Star Wars and being at the cinema and watching it on the big screen you goodness me it was just absolutely stunning and it has very much put it on the world stage by the scenes being shot for a Star Wars so it is some, a well worth a visit anyway according to Aporic thank you for that we are looking for your pet questions please I can see some coming in already keep them coming 1850 because Jane will be joining us in studio but let me stay on the animal theme for a moment because Blackwater Veterinary Clinic they're based in Mallow They've contacted us to say they found a little brown and white Jack Russell Terrier. It was found in the Ghouls Hill area of Mallow last night. Now it isn't wearing a collar and unfortunately it hasn't got a microchip either but it's been described as being very friendly. So it's probably a much loved pet. Somebody could be frantically looking for this little 
black, brown and white Jack Russell Terrier and they have pictures up on their Facebook page if you want to take a look at that if you, you've lost or you've heard of somebody who's lost a Jack Russell Terrier as I say it was found in the Goulds Hill area but could have wandered to the Goulds Hill area you don't know Blackwater Veterinary Clinic if you want to check out their Facebook page or if it is your dog 022 223 commentary and a lot of people venting over the RTE investigation last night revealing how children, little ones, babies and toddlers, how they were treated in a number of facilities in uh, Dublin and uh, the serious risk of, in the event of, God forbid, if a fire broke out in one of those crashes and it's a crash run by a family group led up by Anne Davy, who was on the programme last night and has now in her wisdom decided to take no further role in frontline child care provision. One would wonder should she ever have taken part in frontline child care provision when you saw what, what, what we witnessed last night and Davy in action. Some of your comments in OMG says the texter how could you be happy going to work and putting your baby into a creche like that? It was very hard to watch last night. Julie says how society has changed. changed. One parent always had the choice not to go to work but sadly that day has gone. No protection uh, of the family unit anymore. Teachers now in primary schools are dealing with children as young as five or six, dealing with anxiety and they're asking why. I saw it in my own child when I put him into a creche for a few months but I ended up pulling him out again. I decided it just wasn't worth it. It is causing mental health issues in very young children and people need to wake up to that fact. It's a traumatic experience to be separated from your parent every day in a creche for hours on end. It simply is not natural, says uh, Julie. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah, in the ideal world, a child would be home with mammy and daddy, probably mammy, uh, with daddy going to work and then daddy coming home and everybody playing happy families or if mammy wants to go to work and daddy wants to stay at home. But unfortunately, we don't live in your right. We don't live in the I- ideal wor- world. That choice has been uh, taken away uh, from parents. But there are, ver- I still go back to, there are very good creches out there. And you're right, there are young children battling with anxiety. You talk to any teacher and particularly older teachers who've been around a bit and they'll say while there would always have been anxious children there seems to be more children presenting with anxiety could it have something to do with the start they would have got in in question I mean you you know, you'd look at some of those children particularly when you when she was in the room roaring at the children for the the room was untidied I don't know if you if you watched it you know the the scene where I witnessed where what that I'm talking about and she was standing over they were all the little ones sitting you know like cross-legged on the play area and she was roaring and picking on one child in particular and then telling you know telling the child I'm going to talk to your mammy I'm going to tell your mammy how bold you've been and that you're not doing what teacher tells you and intimidating and frightening the child and you wonder what that does to a young child's self-esteem and you wonder could that make that child very anxious so yeah maybe Julie's right maybe one of the reasons that we have so many anxious young children now could it be could it be traced back to a bad experience in a question in environment 1850 That woman who owns those creches should be jailed for cruelty and her business should be completely shut down, says this texter. I felt sick watching her trying to get the children to go to sleep. She'd no empathy 
at all. Uh, it was worse than the nursing home scandal. And um, you, you're right about empathy. She didn't seem to have any empathy at all. I mean, the way she was hauling them out of the cot and then turning them over to make sure that they lay on their stomach. And her, her reasoning for that was, you don't, don't let them eyeball you, that they'll go off to sleep. Whereas if they're eyeballing you, they're going to be smiling and gurgling and trying to get you to interact with them. Where she was trying to stop all of that. Uh, Muriel says, do you mean to say parents are still sending children to those creches. All those creches should be under complete new management today. All those involved in last night's revelations should be prosecuted. You talk about animal cruelty. What about child cruelty? Says Muriel. Yes, all of those creches are open today and I did earlier here of uh, one of the national radio stations they sent a reporter outside one of them in Dublin and spoke to parents who were dropping their children in. So yeah, they are still in operation and Pat from Mallow says if the same scenario was between adults that would be classed as GBH grievous bodily harm that's on the point when I was saying that I can't see anyone being prosecuted or I haven't heard of anyone being prosecuted and I can't see any coverage in any of the papers saying that the Gardaí are getting involved Tussler are involved but I haven't seen the Gardaí involved in any way because that's what people are saying to us today it's the Gardaí should be called in uh, here uh, texter says I think this crash in the prime time is a one off the lady was like a witch and looked extremely stressed no doubt in her quest f- to make money who would ever believe diluting milk and feeding 16 12 cent noodles uh, to children would be a, a reality in today's world yeah and it very much is Sheila says that comment that came in earlier from Tim saying that that women were created to stay at home. It shows me, Patricia, that your programme today is about dogs and dinosaurs. As you were talking about dog fowling earlier. Uh, that's from uh, Sheila WhatsApping us. Thanks, uh, Sheila. Mary says, Hi, Patricia, on the issue of the crash last night um, on the programme, it was shocking. I think anyone who does childminding in their own home they also need to be checked. Nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Is that another can of worms waiting to be opened? Jonah McCroom says, I mind my four grandchildren and I am so, so glad that I'm in a position that I'm able to do that. Those involved last night should get jailed. I watched the third part of the programme through my fingers. Was that uncomfortable? What about the parents that took their children to that creche? You would wonder, surely they could get somebody else to mind their children. Is there nobody else available in the fa- within the family to mind their children? Well, and actually, Joan, when you say that there are many grandparents, you know, fantastic grandparents doing great work looking after uh, grandchildren. But it was one of the issues that we brought up earlier in the week or was it last week I got all my weeks running together when we were talking about the government's plan to extend the payment of the old age pension and they are going to be pushing it out in less than 10 years It'll, you'll be 68 before you'll be entitled it goes to 67 the year after next and then a couple of years later it goes to 68 before you'll be entitled to get your old age pension and the, you know a lot of people are suspicious saying it'll eventually go to 70 and that's one of the issues that was raised was that it's going to curtail grandparents who'd love to be in that position to, re- you know, the working grandparents to retire, give up and then they'd help to look after the, the grandchildren. They won't be in the position to do it because many of them will still be in uh, work. Mary's in Milford and joins me on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Mary. 
Um, Mary was on line one and Mary's disappeared. Is she on line two now, Jim Hunt? No, she's gone. Sorry, we were going to talk to uh, Mary. Okay, some more of your um, fill in band here says, I just found it so disturbing watching that programme last night. I felt so sorry for those children. I find it hard actually to talk about it today. It's disturbing, so disturbing to see those little babies, the centre of everybody's world for 12 months when they're home and mammy's on her mat leave. And then suddenly they're landed into a creche. Would parents ever consider that there should be a settling in period for small babies? Well, there is. If you talk to anyone who is professionally tra- trained in childcare, they'll tell you there is a settling in period. Everybody accepts that it's, you know, it's really big, big change for the children. And they normally don't get dropped in on the Monday of the first week and left in there for the full week. There's normally like settling in days. They might do one day at the end of the mat leave. You know, mammy might drop in baby for a couple of hours and there is a kind of a gradual uh, settling in uh, period. But one of our listeners describing what had happened in a crash that she worked in where the child was just left very distressed an 11 month old baby and the older sister was up in the play school and wasn't left to come down to to um to soothe and to, you know and I'm sure the baby if she'd seen big sister she'd have um you know that's that's all she would have wanted to you know it would have settled her a little bit okay I'm told Mary in Milford is back on the line um good afternoon to you Mary good afternoon Mary yeah. you were the same as me you found it hard to sleep last night I certainly did yeah a grandmother myself yeah. And all I could think of was, we have a minister for children. Mm. What in the heck is she doing? She was throwing off her clothes and dancing mad about the tomb babies and all the rest of it, which I also think. But, I mean, the live babies are being like rag dolls with, inside this woman that had previous concerns for the state. Yes. The taxpayers are yeah. funding it all. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was so disturbed I couldn't sleep at all. You would you would hate to to think that it was one of your grandchildren was in one of those cots. Uh, exactly, exactly, and I do believe that it have a long term effect on those kids that were as good as now. I won't put words to it, but uh, my people are farming, and I do know that if they treated their animals like that, they'd be in court and yeah. in jail. Yeah, they so would. where are we gone wrong? Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, we've, we've seen people in the past fined for cruelty to animals when they're never allowed to keep an animal again. And yet this this woman and the, these child childcare facilities are open today for business. There's, there's children in all of those creches today. Which is the sad thing. Yeah. And I presume they'll be kind of a go nicely for a while and those people normally revert to their previous... Reggie. Well, this Anne Davy, this main woman that we saw last night, she was before the courts back in, you know, to, she was, the, it was the her crash in 2004 that took a group of children to the park and they lost one of them. Oh my God. You know, and yet here we are in 2019 talking about the same woman. Well, Just. I think our, our powers that be and we have a minister, as I have already to, uh, so, said, for children, children and yeah. she would want to take the dust off her eyes and uh, see where those things are going. Yeah. All right, Mary, thank, thank you, you for that. Much, Thanks uh, for joining us. Let me go to John uh, in the uh, city. Uh, good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Trisha. Now, John, your point is about grandparents minding grandchildren. Yeah, it, that's, it's not so long ago that that was frowned on because they wouldn't have the proper skills and the, top, and the proper certificates, according to the government, uh, to take care of them. No. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to introduce rules and regulations about uh, looking after children in the home. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, what you're yeah, talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah, but 
the most important thing that you can give a child when you're when you're raising them is guidance and love. Mm-hmm. And the, and we now have a situation. No, I'm not talking about our crashes, but we now have a situation where we have a government-funded crash that's doing absolutely the opposite. And we have a minister. We have a minister now uh, who's making a huge response, which is only a, another knee-jerk reaction. Because this woman also managed to get a license again for throwing a crash, although she ran into a problem at another stage. What What is wrong with grandparents rearing their grandchildren? They have a home all day with them. It's good for both of them. The children will learn, learn from the grandparents. And some of the customs that we are that we are tossing overboard uh, uh, for for the good of of, of uh, couldn't be for the good of mankind. They could be taught to the children because the grandparents are at home. They're travelling at the same pace as the children, and they can spend time with them, and they're in a loving, a caring uh, uh, environment. Yeah, I think most parents, if they had a choice between putting a child into a creche and and granddad or granny minding the baby, will go for granddad or granny. But not every no, parent is not. in a situation yeah. that there's either grandparents still alive or that there's grandparents yeah. living close to them. Yeah, I'm I, I'm aware of that, but. There has to be an extended family member. We've all done it. I mean, we look. We don't trust our animals to, to a stranger. If you were bringing your, if you were going on vacation, and you were looking for some place to house your dog, you'd you'd make it your business to find out uh, from other dog owners how that place is run. We have we have no we have children now that are being treated by business people as a commodity. Well, that's what that's what was shown last night. It was a business. It was a business. It's a, yeah. Children, children are now a commodity. And it's like a they license to print money when you see the amount of money that 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 company is making. Well, if you have a young baby, it's it's like a thousand euros a month. Now, some yeah. of that is subsidised by the government. Yeah. But like, food was never cheaper to get. So feeding children with shite food. Uh, uh, it was never uh, on the cows. That's 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 just pure un, unadulterated greed. Yeah, yeah. The cheap noodles and the watered down milk. How in God's name could you work in a place like that if you were children of your own? Yeah, and go home at night and think what you said to another person's child during the day. And I think the point that another listener made about the anxiety. You know, we've got a lot of children presenting with anxiety, and you'd wonder could any of it be be brought back now, to what happened now, I didn't watch the programme because my stomach isn't that strong yeah right? it's tough it's a but tough from, watch but from what I've been listening to an adult pushing a baby down that's assault mm. and if the cops don't get involved in this and if Drew Harris don't get off his ass and send somebody out to have a look at it he's negligent in his job as well forget about Tuzla because that's not running right at all that's not that's not working. If 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 Drew Harris doesn't do something about this, he's negligent in his job as well. Okay. All right, John. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks thank for joining us. Kieran in Dublin Hill says, um, I am shocked. I was shocked watching that programme last night. It was terrible. Uh, I'm also shocked to hear the guy texting in saying that women should should stay at home. That's rubbish. The biggest problem is that the government turned a blind eye. And the reason for that is that there's nothing there for anyone when it comes to childcare as both husbands and wives have to avail of childcare. And it simply is not regulated. It's a disgrace. It's 
it's only there for profit which very much came out in the programme last night why does the government not step in and help people who are paying huge mortgages and huge rents companies in other parts of Europe will have creches within their own companies we need to modernise our companies uh, here well that's not the government that's up to individual employers uh, isn't it uh, to do that instead James Imbrury joins a chorus of a lot of other voices that we're hearing saying Tusla needs to be closed down as there is bad news about this agency every other day between housing, health and every department all seems there all seems to be trouble all these domestic problems that we're having while Leo seems to be shouting all about Brexit and the comments go on and on. 1850 333103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork. Visit CorkCoco.ie Charleville Fire Brigade are holding a charity car wash. It's on this Saturday between 12 and 4pm in the town park. All proceeds are in aid of Charleville Suicide Awareness and they're appealing for volunteers to help out on the day. Ballyfahan Bingo is on on Friday night, 8 o'clock in Ballyfahan Community Centre. The €5,000 jackpot and a guaranteed payout of €4,000. Aurora Charity Shop in Mallow. They're celebrating their first birthday tomorrow and they're inviting people to join them between 1pm and 3pm for refreshments and some birthday cake. There'll be face painting for the children and music. It is by way of thanks to the people of Mallow and the surrounding areas for their support over the last year. All proceeds from the charity shop go to Cork Mental Health Housing Association. And Castletown Kenna Harriers Club are hosting a family fun day and dog show. It's on this Saturday in Castletown Soccer Pitch with proceeds going to CHI, that's at Crumlin, formerly Our Ladies Children's Hospital. Attractions include food, food stalls, face painting, children's games, bouncy castles and the dog show starts at 5pm. And we are still looking for your pet questions please because uh, Jane uh, Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us uh, in a couple of minutes on the programme so if you have a pet question get it in 1850 text or WhatsApp 086 103 actually talking of pets there was an interesting kind of tied in with what we've been talking about today earlier today we were talking about irresponsible dog owners on the programme and dog fouling and all of that um, is there a name on this there is Mary in La Valley Hiya Mary says Hi Patricia You're speaking about irresponsible dog owners this morning on the programme and the fact you know that they don't clean up after themselves and all of, and all of that Mary ponders today what about irresponsible cat owners they just open the front of the back door and let their cats out not knowing where they are going or what they're going to get up to domestic cats can do terrible damage to wildlife and also to neighbours' gardens. They like to use their gardens as their toilets and in the process can dig up and destroy flowers and vegetables, as has recently happened to a friend of mine with a beautiful vegetable garden. Cat owners should have to register and microchip their pets too and have to abide by the same laws as dog owners. They should at least think of how their pets can affect their neighbours before they leave them out on their daily or nightly jaunts. Rant over. Love your show. And that's from Mary in uh, La Valley. I've, yeah, cats and I, I was once upon a time, I had cats and I loved my cats uh, dearly. And yeah, you're right, they can, they certainly can dig up gardens. They, they do that. And how often do we hear from other listeners saying the neighbour's cat 
constantly in my garden and how do I get rid of them? And I can see straight away see somebody has texted texted in saying, spot on, Mary, well said. So for people who don't have cats and who are living beside or close by people who have cats, they need to stop and think not all of your neighbours like your cats. I have cat. I've, I, we certainly have cats living in our neighbourhood and they use my back garden as a kind of a walk through. I am a cat lover so it doesn't bother me in any way. I have a very good friend of mine who's terrified of cats who wouldn't even be able to sit in the garden if she thought a cat was going to wander aimlessly uh, through. But I don't know if there is a solution to that. How do you control that's cats and their nature? That's what they do. They do go off on their little nightly and daily uh, jaunts. How you control that, I don't know. But Mary in Lavalley and uh, a couple of other people are coming on saying the very saying Mary is, has said what I've been thinking for many, many years and that's in from uh, Jane. 1850 Keep your pet questions coming please because uh, we are we will be turning our attention to Jane in a couple of minutes but I just want to wrap up on some of your final texts in um, Anne says Hi Patricia I didn't see the programme last night thank God but listening to all the comments on your programme today I think those people should, should be brought up for child cruelty I'm a granny of nine and I thought if I thought anyone would do that to any of my pets I would do time in jail for them I what I would do to those monsters. Uh, kind regards, Suzanne. Yeah, I think anyone watching it last night who was a child in a crash would has a young child in crash would straight away be thinking if if that was my child. And I know that sense of anger of I would be over there. I wouldn't be responsible for what I would do. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, Anne, on that one for sure. Maureen says, my daughter qualified as a childcare practitioner. She spent four years in college and spent €4,000 on her education. My daughter started her work and she works in a fantastic creche. But then after the programme, she questioned doing the course after spending four years in college. If people that did similar can treat a child like that. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I go back and I said this at the very outset. The majority of creches are fantastic and the majority of creches, Maureen, are staffed by girls like your daughter, highly qualified, who who almost feel like a vocation. They love children. They love doing what they're doing. They love going to work uh, every day and they would never ever dream of of ill-treating a, a child and they give nothing but 100% care and commitment to your child but it's when the the bad ones get highlighted that the seed of doubt goes into everybody's head and everyone starts to just get that nagging doubt what's going on when I'm not there and regarding childcare in thank you Maureen for your call regarding childcare in private home uh, private homes Anne agrees that these private child minders should also be checked out as she thinks some in her local area are doing it just for the money she witnessed one of them recently shouting at a child for very little reason people need to be so careful of who they're getting to mind their children and just um, here on hi Patricia that was awfully sad programme uh, last night I hope something is done to those people the Tuscan crowd seem to be useless No, nobody will stop this and all the money the parents are paying it still upsets me today to think about it and that is from Eileen in Canturk uh, Okay, and lots of people basically saying um, how could you be happy going to work and putting your baby in 
into a place like that. It was so hard to watch last night. That's from Angela. What are Tusla doing? Says another texter giving notice of inspections. It's crazy stuff. Will we ever learn? And someone else wonders that main woman last night has she children of her own? She does because one of her adult daughters is is part of the company that runs the crash. So yes, uh, she does have daughters on Tusla. Tusla did 11 inspections on those very crashes since September of 2017. 11 have been done but they didn't seem to highlight any of the issues that were uh, highlighted last night how many of them they do give notice but they also do on the spot ones as well but the majority of them they give uh, notice okay let's park it there and thank you to everyone there's a, a huge amount of reaction uh, from people today and a lot of people just very upset and saddened and angry about what we saw uh, last night and once again well done to Primetime Investigates there there it's one arm of RTE that when it works it works so well I do think it's it's fantastic and that's where you know when people give out about paying their television licence money and where's all the money going and sure RTE is just full of repeats and it's a waste of money and they're paying wages that are too high and all that and all that and then they do programmes like that and you think I, I willingly will hand over my TV licence for more programmes like that and to uncover what's going on behind closed doors This is the Court Today replay on C103 For C103 photos videos and more follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork Search Instagram for at C103 Cork and Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins us in studio from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Hi Good there. afternoon to you. You're very welcome. Uh, we've been talking about da- cats roaming around yeah. and, and <laughs> I, I knew that Jane wouldn't have a solution. But an answer, by way, I'm assuming Anne is a cat owner and cat lover, says, does Mary and the others that are giving out about the cats roaming around and God knows what they're getting up to in the neighbourhood, uh, does Mary realise that cats that are allowed to roam around a neighbourhood are doing a great service? killing rats and mice. We have had an infestation of rats and would welcome cats to come around to get rid of them any time. Please, says Anne. Okay, Anne, thank you for that. Okay, let me get straight into uh, questions. And there was one from last week that I promised I would go with first today. Martin in Mitchellstown has five hens. They have been laying for two years. He's giving them grit. Two of them are laying very soft eggs with a kind of a skin on them, no shell. What would be causing that? Oh, that's a little bit of an unusual one. And I suppose myself personally, I'll come out and say I'm totally honest. I don't do a lot of chicken medicine myself. Okay. Now, I think what I'll do with that question is I will take it to our exotic expert. So and we'll one come of, back to one it of next the vets week. that I work with loves backyard hens, reptiles, okay. chickens. I'll ask him about that. But I would imagine it's something to do with the mineral content in the diet. But I'm going to get back to you on that. OK. One. Uh, could you ask uh, the vet, Jane, please? My dog has been diagnosed as diabetic. Can we give him cooked mince with his nuts? He's just on his, uh, a plain nut diet at the moment. Okay. The fact that he's diabetic. Okay, so this is a little bit complicated. I'm assuming that if he's been diagnosed as a diabetic, he's being treated at the moment with insulin injections, which would be the, the only treatment essentially long long term for a diabetic patient. So I'm going to answer this question as if he's already on treatment. Okay. Um, if he's not already on treatment, visit your vet <laughs> and um, they'll get you started on that. And I'm assuming he is because yeah. I can just see the problem is with the nuts. He doesn't like he them. He doesn't like them. Okay. So I think the main thing with feeding diabetics is that it needs 
to be really consistent because the amount of insulin, so the thing that will break down and transport the sugar in the blood around in a more normal fashion, which is the problem in diabetic dogs, is very much tailored by dose to what we feed. So your vet will be going off the basis that you're you're being fed the same thing twice a day or once a day okay. as the case Every may day. be. Um, it doesn't leave much room for variability. Okay. OK, now there are some diets on the market which are diabetic food, um, which tend to have kind of uh, things that are more friendly for diabetic dogs as regards digestibility. And sometimes they are get on really well with them. Very occasionally dogs may not particularly like the taste. It's like ourselves. So we might take a liking to one thing and a dislike to another. To be honest, before changing anything and before adding other things into the diet, I would have a chat with your vet. Now, as long as you make your vet aware, they should be able to tailor the dose and sort that out. And it may just uh, require a little bit of adjusting and maybe some tests on on your part and for your pet. Um, but it's definitely doable. I think a really important thing, it's part of their quality of life. They need to enjoy their food, be happy little dogs. So it's important to optimise that. And for our diabetic patients, that's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. But I think before changing anything, um, particularly if he's on long-term insulin medication, I would definitely just speak to, to your vet and work out a solution. Yeah, but they... they, they they should be able to come up with yeah, something. Absolutely. This is a heartbreaking one. One of my dogs died recently. The Aww. remaining dog is very anxious, crying and does not want to be left alone. Any advice, oh, please? Oh, goodness. And they grieve the same as... They do. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they are far more clever and astute than we ever give them credit for. Um, they grieve in exactly the same way that we do. Um, I think this is really tough and I suppose very much like in humans time is the best Mm. healer Um, a normal grieving process for a dog or cat they do do lots of things like isolate themselves changes in behaviour sometimes they become more clingy sometimes they don't like they don't like being left alone the things I would do sometimes being left alone is unavoidable in which case I would make sure that it's as normal as possible for them I would maybe leave the radio on leave the TV on in the background so there's a little bit of a hum of noise if they have to be left alone in the house because they're probably used to their other little dog pal poddling around click clacking with his Mm. nails over the floor so it's probably very quiet in the house when he's left alone Um, and I would try and minimise that being left alone time for a little while if you can things will get easier other things you can do are distraction take them out for lots of walks engage them in a new activity um, that really is a good thing it just gets the brain working the brain active the brain interested in something else and that's that's only healthy for them um, I think something we really really underestimate in or let's say elderly patients with illnesses or patients that are grieving is taking them out in sunlight a lot yeah. it's something we can never prove but in humans we know that you know being out in sunlight yeah. you know it, it makes us a little bit happier um, yeah. I but definitely it, wouldn't underestimate that for our dog but time will heal time, time will heal, will heal. The last thing I would say is try and get a big cuddly dog toy. Okay. About the same size as your old dog. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, and let him, and he might put yeah. his affection and onto the. If you have anything left around the house, it's not totally essential. But if you have, let's say, uh, a blanket, if the dog has recently passed away, you might still have a blanket with the smell, smell. of that dog on it. Yeah. Just tie it onto the dog toy. I know it seems like a very ri- ridiculous thing to do, but sometimes it's just soothing. Yeah, um, yeah, to know bless, that they have something bless, next to them. But he will be okay, and yeah. and so will you. So will you. We can feel your your own pain. Yeah. Uh, hi, I have a dog that lives inside. He's treated every month with front line drops. Mm-hmm. His bedding is boil washed every week. Mm-hmm. I've just after noticing two fleas on him. I'm wondering how to how can he get fleas if he's been treated. Also, I thought the drops are meant to kill the fleas. Any advice, please? Thanking you, this from Brendan. Okay, this is an interesting one. There could be a few things going on here. 
Um, if he does have a flea infestation and we know that that's a historical thing if he's had flea problems before and it sounds like you're doing a great job hot washing the bedding putting the the front line on religiously and that's a really really good thing to do now the things I would say are the main problems I encounter with let's say products not working particularly are either that the product itself may not be up to scratch or secondly the, the product might not be applied exactly as per the directions so have a good look at the packet um, normally with most spot on drops you need to part the hair at the back of the neck um, in, in kind of a little line and just make sure you can see lots of skin and it gets the, onto the, skin, onto the yeah. skin exactly there's no need to rub it in just leave it in place um, simple things like making sure they don't go out in the rain for 12 hours afterwards so I normally apply it last thing at night before bedtime because they'll be inside they won't be touched and cuddled by the rest of the family and it gets lots of time to sink in so just make sure you're applying it as per packet instructions second thing I'd say is visit your vet um, just get them to reevaluate what protocol of products you're using um, maybe maybe try something else just to, to see if that works better for you there are other products on the market maybe that eliminate the, the faff of having to put the spot on on so there are tablet products available now again like any other product I've discussed this at length before there's good and bad on the market so visit your vet and they'll be able to guide you as to one that will be effective the spot okay. on is usually the best though isn't it? Both, really. I think as long as you use a good, reputable product that has actually been licensed and effectively tested, then either is fine. It's really more about lifestyle. The main issue we encounter is not the product's let's say not working or not being applied correctly it's people forgetting to do them on time Mm. and we normally say that let's say for spot-ons most of them run a monthly cycle so they need to be done bang on that month to make sure that they're effective or for some of the tablets they might be a little bit longer some are monthly some are every three months just make sure you follow the protocol the main the main reason we see for breakthrough and having fleas or ticks or lice is is forgetting to put the product on that doesn't sound like the case here but you just pick one up when you're out and about is this Uh, easy enough to pick them up very easy even if they let's say a dog or a cat that's not going outside if there's another pet in the household that's going outside they can be bringing things back in but um, I think the last word of warning I would have is it sounds like you're doing a good job treating the environment with hot washing the bed treating the pet but I would speak to your vet about an environmental spray because we know that eggs from fleas and dogs and cats can live in let's say carpets skirting board etc so just to make sure you're effectively in treating the environment so have a chat with your vet Yeah because and a flea infestation it can be really oh, hard can't so it? So challenging it's so yeah. much easier to prevent it than deal with the fallout of having it Yeah and even though this is what in fairness is this yeah, is doing a great Now job. a number of people are picking up with advice on the hens ah. uh, we've, we've <laughs> a lot of people keeping hens and a lot of people are coming up with the same answer that says soft you crumble up a good shell and you feed it back to the hens it is a lack of calcium and there's another listener saying the same thing those hens are lacking calcium feed them egg shells that comes in from Caitlin in Riverstick and I can see one, two, three others saying uh, saying the very same thing including one saying I'm keeping hens all of my life what that person needs to do is to put egg shells into the hens diets. Okay, so thank you for that if the listener wants to try that and in the meantime we will get Jane uh, to double check (laughs) on it uh, as well. Okay uh, we have to leave it there. Thank you for that um, Jane and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital part in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group and uh, that's where I leave you for today. Thank you to a huge number of people who contacted us today particularly on the issue of the creche in uh, Dublin. We will 
we'll continue to discuss it tomorrow because I can still see we didn't get through all of the calls and comments yet that came in today. So we will certainly be back dealing with this again uh, tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.